Everybody doing well? Man, it's so good to see you. It's so good to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Praise God. We're going to continue on our series this morning. We're talking about family, and uh, we have found out that there is no perfect family. Every family has strengths. Every family has weaknesses. Uh, My family has strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Yours does too. And so what we've been trying to focus on is just helping you strengthen and encourage and grow your family. Now, let me say this before I get started. Across this room, every one of us are in a different place. And we're in a different season. And your family, you may be in a family situation that looks different than my family situation. And I could spend some time going through the list of all the different ways that family can look, okay? But I, but I don't want to take time to do that. What I want to do is I want you to recognize that I recognize that there's not necessarily one right way to do family, and that if you don't do it that way, then somehow you're outside of God or you're outside of the will of God because things happen in life, and I understand that. And, uh, you know, there can be divorces in families. There can be deaths in families. There are lots of things that happen within families a lot of times that are not within our, uh, our, our control. Uh, you know, my father passed away in, in, in an accident in his job when I was 18. Well, since that time, uh, I grew up in a family of four, my brother and my mom and my dad and Amarillo. And since that time, of course, my dad passed away. Well, then my mom passed away in her late 70s, and then my brother passed away. And so that family unit that I was a part of, I, I'm the only one left. So everybody's in a different situation. And and I want you to know that I know that, and I believe God knows it. Here's what I want to do this morning. The first thing I want to show you, the first thing I want to talk to you about is how to make your family strong, to make your family healthy, to make you strong and healthy is you need to have a lifetime of growth in Christ. Listen, Christianity is a lifetime proposition. I was talking to a pastor not very long ago, just last week, and he asked me, he said, hey, pastor, he said, what one book would you recommend that all pastors read? Well, man, that got me brainstorming, and I, Vicky and I visited about it, and Kurt and I visited about it, and I, I prayed about it. And listen, I'm a reader. I was not a reader in high school, but as I got older and, and got in Christianity, I began to read, and, and I became a reader. And over my lifetime, I've read hundreds of books. And every, it seems like every one of the books that I read, God brought them into my life for that time in my life. Does that make sense? And God used different books to help me on my journey. I bet he's probably done the same thing to you. And in the books that I've read in those seasons, I don't know that I would necessarily recommend them to, any, to anyone else necessarily. And, I, and there's lots of good books, and I could name lots of good books. But here's what happened. As I began to think about what book I wanted to tell this pastor to read, it came back to the Bible. And, and I didn't want to tell him the Bible because that almost kind of is a cliche. Uh, you, all of you know who Billy Graham is. And Billy Graham said that if he had the opportunity to live his life over again, that he would read less books and he would read more Bible. 
And, and Billy Graham's been marginally successful in his life, wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah, he's done a few things for God. And so he said he would have read more Bible. Listen, I know lots of pastors, and I don't mean this as an accusation. I know lots of pastors who don't spend very much time reading their Bible. They've done studies that pastors, a lot of times, the only time they read their Bible is when they're working on a message. And uh, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So as a Christian you and I need to be reading the Bible. Listen, the Bible is not a seasonal book, okay? The books that I read in my 20s, I probably wouldn't read now. But the Bible was good for me in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, and now Miss Vicki and I in our 60s, God's Word is still relevant. It's still alive. Don't let anybody tell you that the Bible, well, you know, the Bible's outdated or, you know, the Bible's not necessarily, you know, you know times have gotten changed and, and so we don't need to be reading our Bible. It's not true. <clears throat> the Bible is not a seasonal book. It's just as powerful in your teens as it is when you're retired. You want to read God's Word. I want to read a verse to you this morning, and it's out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love this verse. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure, another translation says sincere, desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you've tested, excuse me, tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now let me back up. Listen to it very carefully, okay? Listen, when you become a Christian, you're a baby Christian. I'm sure there are some baby Christians in here this morning, and there's some of you that are not baby Christians. As baby Christians, desire the pure milk of the Word that you will grow. Listen to me. One of the primary ways to grow spiritually, to grow as a Christian, is to read your Bible. We have a young couple that used to attend church here, and they were coaches, and they moved to Pampa, Texas, and uh, he told me, I saw him one time later, and he said, I've never been to a church in my life that talked more about reading the Bible, that talked more about reading the Word of God. That's because it's really difficult to be a Christian apart from God's Word. The Scripture there very plainly says that the Bible is like milk and that even if you're a spiritual baby, you will grow and you mature. Now, Ashley, our daughter, has a brand new baby girl. Her name is River, and she's just a few weeks old, and <clears throat> she's nursing, and all that baby wants to do is nurse. All that baby wants to do is eat. And occasionally, you know, I get to hold her, and, and I get to snuggle her up, and she's little tiny, and, and when I pick her up and fold her in my arms, she always turns her head toward my chest. And it's like, sorry, babe. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you're not going to get blood out of a turnip, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're not going to be able to do that with me. All right, that baby is hungry for mother's milk. She's hungry to connect with her mother. She's hungry to be up against her mother. Listen, you and I as believers need to be hungry for God's Word. Every single week in Power Kids, we pray over the kids. Now, we don't pray over them like this as a group. We call them up by their, by their age. We'll call up kindergartners and first graders, and then all the leaders come forward, and we lay our hands on every single one of them, and we pray over them. And one of the things that we pray every single week is that they would be hungry for God. Lord, 
Let them be hungry for God. Let them be hungry for your word. Let them be hungry for a relationship with Jesus. Let them be hungry to be in power kids. And as they get older, to be in ground zero and to be in church. I prayed that over my kids their whole life growing up. We pray it over you that you're hungry for the word of God. You're hungry for the milk of God. And the Bible says that when you partake of the word of God, you will grow. Now listen to me. It benefits you. And anything that benefits you benefits your family. Listen, men, if you'll feed on God's word, it'll make you a better husband. It'll make you a better dad. Moms, it'll make you a better mother. It'll make you a better wife. It'll make you a better uncle. It'll make you a better aunt. It'll make you a better grandparent. Wherever you are in your life, listen, as you grow in Christ, it will make you better in every single area of your life. Your family will grow. Your family will be healthy as you take a lifetime to grow in Christ. You don't ever get to the place in your life where you think, hey, I've been to church enough, I've read my Bible enough, and I don't need to do that anymore. It's not true. You always need God. You always need God's Word. Let me show you the second thing. The second thing is that a family, a Christian family, is always a work in progress, isn't it? Yeah, when you raise kids, it's like raising oak trees, okay? It takes a lifetime, okay? A tree doesn't grow up overnight. Now, if you've ever grown tomato plants, you know, a tomato plant is good for the summer, and you plant it in the spring, and it's very small, and it grows through the summer and produces fruit, and you pluck it up, and you throw it in the compost pile at the end of the season, okay? Kids are not like that. Kids don't take months. Kids don't take years. Kids take a lifetime to grow. I want to read a verse to you out of Proverbs <clears throat> that Michelle mentioned. It's Proverbs 22.6. It says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Now, I couldn't have planned, you couldn't have planned it better this morning. You know, Michelle, it's like you're hearing the Lord, and I'm hearing the Lord. I don't know. As, as, I know you hear the Lord, so it encourages me that maybe I am too, right? And so it's so true. Listen, she said it already. Bring your kids to church. Bring your grandkids to church. Come to church as a family, okay? A family is a work in progress. Listen, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have good seasons. You're going to have hard seasons. Uh, you're going to have times in your life that you think, man, where's God? And you're going to have times in your life which are going to be really good. Okay, it's a journey. It's a process. The Bible says we grow line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. So I just want to encourage you to recognize that what you're doing is a lifetime process. Listen, it takes a lifetime to build a life. Joe McGee used to always say, you don't find a good marriage, you build one. You build it day by day, brick by brick, verse by verse, you build it church service by church service. You know, if I were to ask you what I preached on three weeks ago or three months ago, even I, as the person speaking, would have a difficult time telling you what I preached on. And see, it's not, that's not so important. What's important is, is the Sunday you were here, God, by His Spirit, fed you and encouraged you. Amen. Okay, you know, we, we all eat good meals all the time, and you can't recall three months ago what you ate, but at the time that you ate it, it nourished you. It fed you, right? 
Yeah, you know, Sean Castillo was doing uh, meals yesterday, he and his mother, and they cooked fried chicken. And uh, they saw, Vicky saw online that they were selling it. And uh, we went over there and got that and got home. And oh my gosh, man, that was some good fried chicken. I mean, I, I can't remember, it's been a long time since we've had fried chicken. And Miss Vicky and I really enjoyed it. I want to go today and get some more. And I want to go tomorrow and get some more. Then I want to go Tuesday and get some more. All right. But, you know, a few weeks from now, I won't remember that I ate that. The God, God's word's the very same way. Listen, you grow being in church. You grow reading your Bible, and it's not just for a season. It's for a lifetime. Now, let me talk to you about the next thing, number three, if you were to number them, okay? I want to talk to you a little bit about hypocrisy. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? Now, let me give you a definition for the, what I have for what I'm thinking, Okay, hypocrisy is to claim a moral standard that your behavior does not conform to. And I want to I want to be careful with my words and what I say. Listen, you don't don't live a secret life. Don't have two lives. What do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> there's a famous man who was a minister, and uh, his name was Ravi Zachariah. And uh, you may know that name. You may not know that name. And he had an international ministry all over the world, a huge ministry. And he ministered to people all over the world. He ministered to people that were Muslims, that were Christians. Uh, Miss Vicki and I, one time, he was in Amarillo several years years ago, and Miss Vicki and I went to Amarillo to see him, and uh, I would listen to some of his teachings. He, he was really good. Well, he contracted cancer, and in a couple of years, he passed away. Well, sadly, after his death, it was discovered that he had a secret life. It was discovered that he was doing things that he wouldn't want anybody to know, and these things came to light. Now, he's already passed away, He's already gone, and I believe he's in heaven. But his life, there were things in his life that he had kept hidden, and it hurt his wife, it hurt his children, it hurt his grandchildren, and the ministry he had built basically ceased to exist. Listen, I've done funerals for people whose family found out after their death that they were doing things that they didn't want anybody to know about. Listen, the devil loves darkness. Okay, if you've got anything in your life that you're hiding, if you've got anything in your life that you keep secret, the devil loves that. And as long as you keep things in the dark, he will use that on you and he will do everything he can with that to hinder your walk with God. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that you need to put it on Facebook. I'm not saying you need to shout it from the rooftops. What I'm asking you to do is if you've got some things in your life that are hidden, I would encourage you to go to the Lord with those things and ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you to change, to be the man or to be the woman that you want to be. Sometimes we do things in our lives and we don't mean to do them. We can drift into things. And then you wake up and think, how did I get here? How did I end up in this condition? Take it to God. 
Okay, uh, one of the things that Vicky and I have seen and we've talked about is secrets. What do you mean secrets? Well, that is where we do things in our home that we're not very proud of and we don't want anybody else to know. And that's hard on your family. Listen, if you grew up in an alcoholic home, if you grew up in a home with an abusive parent or a drug addict parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you didn't dare tell anybody about what went on in your home behind closed doors. You didn't dare invite anybody to your home because you didn't know what the atmosphere would be like when your friends got to your house. And so you carried that burden, those secrets all of your life. I know married people that have done it. I know children that have done it. Listen, go to God and ask God to help you. Ask God to give you strength. Ask God to change your family. Let me read to you this morning out of Luke 8, 16. No one who has lit a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but see it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. The man that was in the ministry that I mentioned, the things that he had done, the secrets he kept were not revealed until after his death. And you know who suffered? His family suffered. He, he, he was beyond suffering because of his death, but they suffered because of it. Listen, I just want to encourage you. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm just asking you to deal with things. Kurt mentioned it already this morning, with things in your life. Go to the Lord. Go to your closet. Go to your bedroom and say, God, you gotta help me, and he will. Let me give you one more thing this morning. I wanna talk to you about prayer, about praying for your family. I wanna read to you in Colossians 4.12. I love this verse. You will too. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ. I love that. He's a love slave. Okay, he's a love slave. He's committed his life to Jesus Christ. He greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now, I want to unpack this, but before I do, I want to encourage you. Listen, pray for your family. Men, if you're married, pray for your wife. Ladies, if you're married, pray for your husband. Pray for your children. Pray for them by name. If you have grandchildren, pray for them by name. Listen, regularly lift your family in prayer. Regularly. Now, you may think this morning, okay, Pastor, I want to do that, but I don't necessarily know what to pray. Let me read to you what I just read. I love this. It says that Epaphras prayed for the Christians. He always labored first fervently in prayer. Now, how did he pray? First off, he prayed always. He prayed regularly, and he prayed with passion. It says he labored fervently. In other words, he was emotionally involved in his prayers. He wasn't just praying, Lord bless him. No, no. He was praying more than that. Then he says what he prayed. He prayed that they would stand perfect, and they would be complete in the will of God. Men, what if you prayed that over your wife? Ladies, what if you prayed that over your husband? What if you prayed that over your children and grandchildren? Father, I pray this morning that my children stand perfect and complete in your will. Wow, what a prayer. Listen, can I tell you something? Anytime you pray God's word, you're always praying the will of God. Anytime you find a verse in the Bible just like this, you can grab it and you can pray it. Okay, let me pray it to you one more time. He says, pray fervently and labor that, that my loved ones, my family would stand perfect. They would stand complete in all 
the will of God. Several years ago, Vicki and I were attending a meeting in Amarillo. It's an annual meeting that Trinity Fellowship does called Zion. I know many of you have been there. And they had a speaker one year, and he said this. He said, declare the grace of God over your family. Well, the Holy Spirit just imprinted that on my heart. And I grabbed onto it, and I've been doing it ever since. Listen, some of you have big families. I have a relatively big family, and I'm talking cousins and aunts and uncles. And my dad was a gray, and my mother was a Klein. That was her maiden name. And, you know, it would be hard to write down every name of every one of those and lift every one of those in prayer. Now, I'm advocating that you write down your immediate family's names and you pray for every one of them by name. But when you get to your extended family, it can be difficult. So here's what I've done, and here's what I do all the time. Father, I declare your grace over the gray bloodline. Father, I declare your grace over the Klein bloodline. Arthur, my son-in-law, he's an Ortiz and he's a Ramirez. Father, I declare your grace over the Ramirez bloodline. I declare your grace over the Ortiz bloodline. And you can just go through and you can really do that pretty quickly. And it's very, very powerful. Listen, grace is enough. Don't miss this. Grace is enough. You can pray a lot of things. And I'm not saying don't pray other things. But if you feel like you're overwhelmed with that, declare the grace of God. Father, I declare your grace over the Ortiz bloodline, over their family. I declare your grace over the gray bloodline. Vicky's dad's name is Fryer. He's from Europe, and it's German and Czech. Father, I declare your grace over the Fryer bloodline. And the Lord knows his, her dad needs it. Amen. He's 93 years old and he needs the grace of God in his life. It's very simple and it's very powerful. Pray for your family. Now, let me give you two other references. I'm not going to read them to you this morning, but these are two prayers that I have prayed for years. Okay, and I'm going to give you the references. It's Ephesians chapter 1, and I pray 17, 18, and 19. Ephesians 1, 17, 18, and 19. That, that's three verses, isn't it? 17, 18, 19. There you go. My math is good. And then Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Now, many of you are familiar with these verses, and some of you are not. Let me tell you what translation I use when I pray those verses. I pray out of the Amplified Bible. Now, what's ama- here's what's amazing. I have an Amplified Bible. And years ago, you couldn't pray out of the Amplified Bible unless you went and bought one. But you can get on the YouVersion Bible app and you can pull up the Amplified Bible. Now, that version, when I pray those prayers, ministers to me. You might use a different translation. But I just want to encourage you. These prayers are so powerful. And I pray them all the time. Kurt and I meet in here every Wednesday morning and we have prayer. He and I, we pray together and we pray over every one of you. And we pray these two prayers, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19 and Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And we lift those in prayer and I pray them over you. I pray them over my family. And it's, listen, it's so powerful to pray the word of God instead of just random, you know, and, 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 and you may know specific things, and that's okay. But a lot of times what our prayers end up being is, Lord, you know, 
bless the kids as they go to school today. You know, help them not to go to ISS. And, you know, Lord, help them to eat their lunch. And, you, know, you know what I mean? I mean, they, they can be. Now, I'm not against That's all good. But there, it can be more powerful than that. Declare the grace of God over your bloodline. Pray for your family. Why? Because it will strengthen your family. Just like what Michelle said, bring your kids to church. Pray for your kids. Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pray for your household. And you'll see God work and move powerfully and mightily. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and let me pray for you right now. Praise God. Father, we love you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for this simple prayer in Colossians 4.12. And Father God, I want to pray it over us this morning. Father God, I pray right now fervently that we would each stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, that we would walk into a place of perfection, we'd walk into a place of maturity, and that we would be in your will. Father God, I want to declare your grace over our bloodline. Lord, this week, my prayer is, is that every person here will declare the grace of God over their bloodline, over the name of their bloodline and their family. Father, would you strengthen our families? Lord, each of us are in a different place, but that you strengthen our families and you move in our lives. And Father God, I'm thankful for it. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Hey, I love you. Y'all going to be blessed and have a great rest of your day.